Welcome back, Compass Bible Church, to this week's episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. Joining in. Joining in. I'm always always look forward to what you're always going to do, because <laughs> you're the fun one here. Am I? You are. Here at Compass Bible Church, we have fun, but we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We reach people for Christ, teach people to be like Christ, and train people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here at Compass, including this very podcast, is to fulfill that mission to make disciples by reaching, teaching, and training. All right, Compass, you know, we, Pastor Hayden just preached the sermon this morning. We actually wrapped up revival with the students mm. at the 11 a.m. service. So it was kind of fun to have so good. revival and church at the same time. And people were really excited at the 11 a.m. service. And, and they were excited at the 9. But they were, you know, they were missing out on about 50, 40 to 50 students there. Right. And so it was pretty fun. Well, Compass, we are continuing our journey through the book of Jonah in our series, The Summer at Sea. That sounds so refreshing. It is, but it's not. It's not refreshing. But it is refreshing biblically. Biblically and theo- theologically, it's very it, refreshing. It wasn't refreshing for Jonah. Not very. It smelled pretty bad. It was not. <laughs> All right, Compass, the, the title of this morning's sermon was Under the Mighty Hand of God, and that comes from Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 17. And because it's a long text, I want to summarize it Summarize it for you. Essentially, God threw a storm at the boat that Jonah was on, and then the pagans the were on the boat. They, they were freaking out, essentially. They're saying, hey, Jonah, why are you asleep? Pray to your God. You know, We need to figure something out. Then eventually, God reveals that Jonah is the, is the reason why they're going through this. And then, so Jonah tells him, you need to throw me over the side of the boat. So they do. The, the storm ceases, they recognize the power of God, and they worship God, and then the whale of a tail begins with a mm. fish that swallows up Jonah, and he's in there for three days and three nights. All right, Pastor Hayden, you're, the point of your sermon, your main focus of the sermon, was that we, an awareness of God's power and authority should lead everyone to absolute surrender to the sovereignty of God. God. And to kind of pause right there, I loved your opening illustration about how the Allied forces in World War II were trying to show and demonstrate their power over the Japanese Empire, that they did not want to give up. They had a motto of never surrender. But how can the idea of the Allies' atomic bomb and in God's sovereignty in the situation, how does that illustration help us understand the sovereignty of God in our reaction? We are so... Uh enamored by World War II. I think everyone sees the connection uh, between the really history-altering uh, situation with the bombs that went off in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It, it's a, it brings a, a much more clear picture to the absolute impact that that event had on human history. And that same power right, is multiplied exponentially uh, to infinity, if you will, when it comes to God's power and authority over the universe. Uh, and so to take those two events and, and put them, juxtapose them beside each other, I think did a really good job. And it was helpful for us to to see that uh, although God isn't an atomic bomb, if you will, uh, if you don't see God as all-powerful in that same way, I think you miss out on really the omnipotence or the all-powerful God that we truly do serve. And that's why he has uh, the authority over the seas. And that's why Jesus, over and over again, showed his authority and his his power over creation and over the sea and over the food and over the you know every single thing uh, that we read in the Gospels that points to his power and authority over all creation. Uh, I just 
hope and trust that that was an illustration that draw, drew us to that conclusion. Well, the illustration was so helpful because if you know your history, that it kind of just leads right into point number one of raising awareness for God's sovereignty. You know, we were kind of joking this week about why you named that point that point, but it's very true. I mean, the, what the Allies did with all the bombings, especially with the atomic bomb, they dropped, leaf, they dropped leaflets to those places to say, flee from this. This is what's going to happen and tell your government to stand down. And so, Pastor Hayden, you mentioned that we have a leaflet that we needed to tell people and make them aware of the sovereignty of God. So, one, what is that leaflet? And two, how does that change anything? Because we know that raise right. awareness doesn't get anything done, but why does it get it done? Well, our leaflet is what we call the Bible, right? And it tells us everything we need to know about the God of the universe and how he relates to people. The difference between the leaflets that were dropped prior to the bombings in World War II and uh, the leaflet that we have is those uh, leaflets uh, rose awareness by telling people to flee uh, what is about to happen. The leaflet that we have tells people to come to the God of the universe. And so we're not asking people or telling people to run away from something. We're asking them to run to God. And that's that's the difference, if you will, the, the uh, qualitative difference about the illustration and where it kind of breaks apart in some instances, because we're not talking about this God who wants to and wants to destroy the cities with, with bombs, or even though you can really make that argument with Nineveh, what God really wants is people to come to him. And so really the whole rationale behind raising awareness is God has a desire for people, and it's our job to, to tell people what that desire is, and that's why we need the Bible uh, as our quote-unquote leaflet to help people understand who God is. And you brought up Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 17. Why did you bring that up? Kind of refresh us of why this is so important for us to tell people and make them aware about the sovereignty of God. Yeah, when I'm looking at, at Romans uh, chapter 10, we need to understand, just like those leaflets, that there was, a, there was a call there, right? Flee, for the impending doom is on its way. And then in verse 13 of Romans 10, you have for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord be saved. There's your command. There's the hope. Uh, but, I mean, just like those leaflets, if we would, if they were to wrote them and kept them in the storehouses in an allied bunker, uh, they were never going to get anywhere. I mean, they, they had all the right information, but it was just sitting somewhere and it was never disseminated to, to uh, you know, the Japanese empire. But what we have also is the word of God and sitting uh, over in the corner, it's not doing the work that it was called to do uh, it, through you. And so the, the goal is for us to understand that it is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord we saved. But we understand that people can hear and they call on Christ because they have believed and they come to believe because they've heard and they come to hearing because someone preached it to them. And someone preached it to them because someone took up the call to go and preach it. And that's why it says in verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. So that's why it's our job to take what we have in our leaflet called the Bible and make sure that we can help people come to faith because they're hearing the message of the gospel. And when they hear, our goal and hope is that we people would comprehend this message. And this your point number two is comprehending God's sovereign plan. It's actually to comprehend uh, God's sovereign plan. And that's what these pagans did. I mean, pagans, just to clarify, means people who don't follow God, those who don't follow Christ specifically. And so these people, they 
Jonah tells them, I am a Hebrew. I follow Yahweh. He's the one that created everything. They understood this. And they asked this question, what shall we do in order for the, st- the storm to be calmed? And Pastor Hayden, you brought up Acts chapter 2. And, that, and when I saw that connection, it, you know, just like this is such a beautiful way of how God demonstrates that when people comprehend God's sovereign plan, they do something very specifically. What is that thing that people do when they truly comprehend God's sovereign plan? Well, they ask the right question, right? And this is what you see with the mariners in Jonah chapter 1, and you see it in the life of uh, those in Jerusalem who Peter was addressing when they asked the same question in verse 37, when they're cut to the heart because of the gospel being proclaimed through the apostle Peter, and they ask, what shall we do? And the reason why it's important to comprehend God's sovereign plan and to raise awareness for God's sovereignty in general is because God does want us to do something. He doesn't just want us to acknowledge that he exists. He wants us to do something with his sovereign existence, right? with the fact that he rules over everything. And, he, and Peter says, you need to repent and be baptized. Not that your baptism saves you, but being placed into Christ saves you, right? That's what we always say. Repent and be placed every one of you, into the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the point here was we comprehend God's sovereign plan because God's plan uh, is is unfolding, and the goal of the leaflet called the Bible is to help everyone see that they can be a part of this plan. And regardless if they choose to be saved by Christ, uh, the reality that we've talked about throughout the previous sermon series in Colossians is Christ is going to be the Lord of the universe, whether or not you make him the savior of your life. And so he's going to be the Lord of everyone, the savior of some. And so for us, it's to say, here's God's will that we would come to know him because he's going to rule. The question is, are you going to ask the question, what shall I do? And then answer through repenting and trusting in Christ. And that's what we have to do. Sometimes we have to, not sometimes, we need to submit to God's sovereign will. That's your third point of, of your sermon. And so you you bring up a passage that um, Jesus told to Paul in Acts 26, verse 14. It's like, hey, Paul, you're kicking against the goad. First off, what is a goad? Remind us what a goad is and kind of remind us, what is it like when we actually kick against God's will? Yeah, a goad is just a long stick with a sharp point at the end of it. it I've uh, heard it's about six to eight feet long, depending. I mean, it's like, you know, how it's a general thing. Like a goad could be a lot, look a lot of different ways, just like a water bottle and a phone can look a lot of different ways. Uh, but in general, it's just a long stick with a sharp end. And it was used to guide oxen as they uh, tilled up uh, the soil and as farmers were using these ox to... Uh, to do the work of the field. And uh, what would happen is when an ox would uh, disobey or go in the wrong direction or he couldn't get control of the ox, the owner that is, he would take the goad and he would do the verb, goad them. Right? He, would, he would press the sharp point into them to get their attention. Now, the interesting thing when Jesus says, Acts 26, 14, it's hard for you to kick against the goad, uh, is, is a complete different uh, picture of gen- of just being led by a goat. It's saying you were fighting against the person who was trying to direct you, and when you kicked against them, you kicked a very sharp end of a stick, which would inflict pain and discomfort uh, and even penetrate the skin of, of the ox. And so the point here is like, man, when you're kicking against God's will, it is going to be painful, uh, and you're inflicting it on yourself. And at the end of the day, you have someone who's directing you. And someone who is goading you in a lot of ways, the gracious God of goading, if you will, 
that will be doing that. And the, the fact of the matter is, if you're God's child, you need to understand that God is trying to direct you for your good and for his glory. And so the point of that is, don't kick against the goad. Paul did the same thing, and Jesus said, it's hard for you to kick against the goad, isn't it, Paul? Because at the end of the day, God's going to get his will accomplished. And to kind of wrap up your sermon, the last question I want to ask you is if uh, you want to dive in deeper on the whole idea that the sovereignty of God should not drive us into kicking the goad and going against God's will. Instead, it should drive us to worship. What, what other comments do you have on that sermon? If you didn't, if some maybe things you didn't have time to dive in deeper in that. Yeah, I just, something I articulated a little bit that deserves a million minutes of our time to discuss is, you know, God's sovereign will versus our will. And, uh, you know, like I attested to in the 11 a.m. service, we always talk about our own will, our own will, our own will. And I think if we overemphasize our own will and everything, we really diminish the fact that God has a free will. And so when God has a free will and we have a free will, there is truth to both of those, right? God is free will. I think that the fact that we're made in the image of God demands that we have free will. You can't be in the image of the creator God if you don't have a measure of free will. Uh, But I think that we have to also weigh the reality that our free will is subservient to God's will because he created us. And so we need to understand that part of submitting to God's sovereign will is to understand that Although you can decide to do things, it's really never outside of the purview of God's will in your life. And even if you're kicking against the goads and going outside of what you and I would consider God's uh, particular will, you're actually never going to find yourself uh, running so far away from God that he can't uh, corral you back into his will for your life. And so that's really what I'm trying to say is for you to say, I'm just going to follow God. And when I find myself not following God, I'm going to respond appropriately. I'm going to repent and I'm going to submit to God's sovereign will. And it can be uncomfortable and it can uh, be penetrating like a goad uh, when we're trying to kick against God's will. And that is okay. And it shows that there's a gracious God uh, that is leading you that wants you to be in his will every single day, even if it's uncomfortable in the belly of a whale or big fish, excuse me, or on a ship uh, out at sea sinking, or like Paul on a shipwreck, or like Peter, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> Peter getting uh, reprimanded by Paul for, for you know, trying to divide people because of his beliefs about you know, Greeks and Jews, you know, all those types of things. God uses such uncomfortable things sometimes to keep putting us back into his will. All right, Pastor Hayden, we are actually going to be diving into life groups this week. And I believe, I think we have, after this week of life groups, I think we're on a break. Yes. If that's, if I think, I think cor- that's correct. I think that's correct. We'll, we'll check back in. But don't worry, we have life group this week, so it we don't do. matter. So with these applications, I can't even talk right now, revival, <laughs> application questions, what is your you know advice and wisdom as we fill these questions out. How should we, what's our posture? What should we look at? What should we be attentive to as we do these application questions this this week? One is I want you to really think about God's uh, depth and precision and his of his sovereign plan. Like it's deep. It's not just surface level and it's precise. It's not just general. It's not just wide. It is wide, but it's also specific and precise. And uh, I want you to, to wrestle with that. And, uh, and then answer that second question. And question number three is, how does resting in that precision of God's power and control actually a comfort to his children? And, uh, you know, uh, there are people who, who, have, who struggle with that. Uh, and I'm not sure why, especially people who find themselves in the middle of God's will, 
in, in his sovereignty, because wouldn't you want the God of the universe to have that kind of power and control? Because a God who doesn't have that power and control is not truly a comfort to his children because things are always up in the air, right? If God isn't sovereign over everything, uh, then how is it? How could God really be sovereign over anything, right? I mean, if he is God, right, if he is a big G God, I have comfort in the fact that he is sovereign over everything, so all things that are happening are done uh, for the good of me who loves God and is called according to his purpose. So I rest in that. There is no rest when we don't believe that God has that kind of precise sovereignty. And uh, the second is really just to look at the biblical significance of total submission to God. Uh, We didn't really discuss it too much, but the point of the matter is uh, Christ cannot be your Savior if he's not your Lord. And and that's just true. I mean, God is is Lord. He gives Christ the complete rulership. Read Daniel chapter 7. Christ is going to be Lord over all. Uh, Read Colossians 2, uh, Colossians 1 and 2, uh, Philippians 2. I think that's right. All those, right? Uh, Christ is going to be given all of the authority from God the Father, and he's going to be Lord over all things. And so we see a Christ who's Lord over all and the Savior of some. And so for us to understand that total submission to God is total uh, rest under the Lordship of Christ. And so it's not just, hey, I accept Jesus as my Savior. He's my Lord, and I submit to him in all things, not just in the things that I want to. Uh, and to know it's a good, good, valuable thing to know that we have the kind of God that we can submit to in all things and not just some things. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Hayden, for, for preaching this sermon you know, twice in one day. <laughs> well, Compass, we are continuing in our journey through the daily Bible reading, and we're, uh, we're still in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, but in the book of Psalms, we have finished book one last week, this, this past week, and now we are starting book number two. And the way that I titled it is that this is a great, this book, book number two in the book of Psalms, is a great book for a uh, section for us to be able to counsel ourselves and to counsel others back towards God. And in this, you know, uh, this book of praises, this Israel's hymnal book with all the different authors, these next Psalms are going to be some of your favorite because this is going to really speak into, you can call the human condition. And that's what we talked about this last week where the Bible does not shy away from reality. The Bible doesn't try to paint life as butterflies and rainbows. It says the life in the realm of a fallen world and fall creation with sin everywhere is a very painful world, but there is always hope because of who God is. And so remember the purpose of the book of Psalms is to help you and I and for Israel at that time, for all people to be able to properly worship God and to develop a deeper devotion to God, even when times are really hard and times are really good. But as you Read through this week, Psalm, Psalms 42 to 64. You're going to see several Psalms either either doing one, how to mourn different things. And one of them is going to be mourning your sin, but also mourning the reality of the consequences of sin. But also how to celebrate and to be joyful. Like, who is this mighty God that we serve? He can conquer nations. He defeated sin. So this is a very fun uh, week that we're going to have in the book of Psalms. And so it's going to be times of hardship. This, these Psalms are going to help you to remember God is good. And then times of joy, it's going to help you remember to celebrate what God has done. Not to think it's all you or me, 
to say God is the one that is making salvation and his glory happen. But what I love about the, the this week is that compass, This God is going to equip you to be able to help counsel yourself, but also to be able to counsel others. I mean, I want you to make sure that, that this week, I want you guys to slow down. I want, I want you to read the Psalms and read the New Testament with us, but I really want you to slow down. I want you to pick a Psalm each time you read the daily Bible reading. I want you to pick a Psalm, and I want you to write down like one verse or a couple verses in that Psalm that God wants you to remember. So that each time you read a psalm, you're looking and say, God, what is what do you want me to remember? Because what this is going to do, you're going to catalog over this week. Different psalms are going to help you in your Christian walk. When things are going great, you can properly celebrate God. But when things are hard, you can actually mourn well and remember God is good. Uh, one psalm in particular, one of the psalm highlights this week is going to be Psalm 51. You need to use this psalm to help you confess your sin to God. This is a great psalm where David confesses his sin against Bathsheba and Uriah. But more importantly, he says, against you, God, have I sinned you alone. Now, this is going to be such a helpful psalm for you to meditate on and to think through to say, when I sin, this is what true repentance looks like. Not worldly sorrow for being caught. No, this is a sorrow that says, God, I have grieved you and hurt you. So make sure you bookmark Psalm 51. But I want to read to you one Psalm, Psalm 42, the very first Psalm you're going to be reading this week. As a reminder, like these are the Psalms that you need to bookmark. Maybe write a description on the top of it. Like, oh, this is when I need the Psalm for this season in life or when this happens in life. So, so that you can go back to when those things happen again, you have Psalms cataloged for you so you can quickly jump back to to remind you of the truth of reality and also to help guide others. And these are the Psalms you need to have cataloged and, and waiting to have, be able to counsel others when they go through hardships and trials and also to counsel yourself. But let me t- read to you Psalm 42 or at least a, a bits and pieces of it. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. Just right away. Look at the psalmist right here saying, God, I just desire you so badly. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. Without you, God, I I, I am nothing. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. I've been mourning all day and all night. While they say to me all, all the day long, where is your God? I'm being mocked and maligned. And if you read the end of the psalm, in verse 11, it says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. These psalms are going to be so helpful for our Christian walk. So make sure you're reading the psalms slowly this week so that God can help prepare you to walk faithfully in him and also to help others walk with him as well. All right. Hey, since we have a couple of minutes, I'd like to ask just an off-the-cuff kind of question to uh, you, and maybe we'll both come up with an answer. Oh, boy. Uh, what are some things that you're looking forward to in the next six months here at Compass Bible Church? Well, 100% Adventure Club. Mm, tell me why. Because last year we had such a blast running around the CYT, for those who remember when we were our church was being in the, it was in the Christian Youth Theater, and we, we ended the year here at the building. But I am excited to be able to not only be with these kids and the leaders and, and to help these parents disciple the kids so they can understand who God is better, but it's just so fun to see these kids grow in the knowledge of God, knowing mm-hmm. that 
the scriptures make one wise into salvation as we point them to Christ. And this year, it's going to be so much fun to be able to plan something out in our facility, in our building, with maybe an extra feature coming mm. this fall. Ooh, I see what you did there. Cliffhanger. What about you, Pastor Hayden? Uh, you know, something that we've noticed over the past uh, couple of months in the summer is that our church is still growing even in the summer. And I mean spiritually and numerically. Uh, which is super unusual. Why is that unusual, Pastor? Uh, because most churches, uh, they, they aren't growing in the summer. They, they kind of... Why is that? They plateau. It's because people are out of town, and uh, a lot of people are out of rhythms of life, and, uh, you know, a lot of other reasons, and I don't like to give excuses for why people wouldn't be at church, but they're all real reasons. Lots of people go on vacations during the summertime, which is such a good and gracious thing. But God has been so gracious to us in this season of our church that we're actually growing uh, numerically on Sundays, and actually even our midweek, our life groups, almost every week are hitting a new record of people joining community. And so something I'm really excited for uh, is to see what happens this fall. And, you know, hoping and praying and looking forward to getting us prepared for the growth that I believe that God has preparing for us in the fall. And uh, that's something I'm excited about, and I hope and pray that if you're listening to this podcast, something you're excited for uh, that we have so many new people coming to our church, and it's such a beautiful thing. And I, I want to encourage you to continue connecting with people. Uh, the, the reason why many of you who are listening to this loved uh, being a part of our church when you first got here is because you felt cared about, and you felt like you were somebody connected with you, and you got to hear the straight teaching of the truth of God's Word, and you, and you saw practically both the truth of God's Word and, and the love of of God's people on hand in hand. And that's something that I pray that we never lose as a church, that just because we get so big doesn't mean people get so myopic that we forget there's so many new souls coming to our church who need the grace of God and needs the love of community. And so that's something I'm excited for. That's the reason we're doing the Back to School Bash. It's just one of those uh, moments in our church that we get to uh, programatize a commitment uh, to uh, making sure that we are inviting people to church, make sure that we're able to look forward to a particular Sunday where we say, hey, uh, this is a Sunday I'm going to set apart to invite people to be a part of what God is doing, uh, and then we're going to celebrate it afterwards. And so that's one of the back-to-school bash on August 21st is going to be really, really important for you guys. We're going to uh, have two gospel-centered sermons where people are going to hear the gospel. And after the 11 a.m. service, we're going to have a big party outside. We're going to have a lot of games, a lot of fun, and just a whole lot of, uh, of fellowship afterwards. And we want you to be a part of that as well. And to get ready for all of this, to get ready for these things, we have two things coming up that we want you to know. We have our outreach, which is on the 13th of August. And our whole church is going to go out into the community. We're going to meet at 8 a.m. here at the building. And we're going to tell people uh, about uh, Back to School Bash, about Compass, and when we get the opportunity, we're going to share the gospel with them, and we're going to invite them to church, uh, and we're going to uh, focus as, as a church corporately on going and reaching out into our community. We do this a couple of times a year together, and this is one of those special uh, Saturdays that we do that, and I want to encourage you and implore you to join us, and let's get out there and make disciples. Let's get out there and get people thinking about God. And then what we're going to do the next day, the very next day, that Sunday evening, is we're having an all-church prayer night. 
We're going to get together. We're going to do some worship. We're going to pray, and we're going to beseech the God of the universe. We're going to intercede, uh, and we're going to pray, and we're going to call out to the Lord uh, on some specific prayers that we would love for him to answer in the fall. And so I want you to be there. Be there for the prayer night on August 14th at 5 p.m. here at the building as we go to God in prayer and look forward to all that he's going to do this fall. We have one more announcement, Pastor Evan, about Adventure Club registration. Registration is open, so make sure you register your child. Adventure Club will start officially on August 24th, but we, with all the growth happening in our church and the limited space that we're going to have, we want to make sure that your child has a spot, so make sure you do not hesitate. Don't be procrastinating. Sign your kid up. This Adventure Club is for three-year-old to all the way to the fifth grade, and if you're part of the Wednesday Night Life group that meets on campus, we'll have kids care for your kiddos as well. So make sure you register your junior campers as well. But make sure you register so that you don't miss out. We want to make sure we have as many kids packed into this building that can learn about who Jesus is and how to have a relationship with him for eternity. All right, Compass Bible Church, we're so grateful for you. And as we're going out this weekend, reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ, I am praying for you and expecting God to do great things here at Compass Bible Church. Thank you.